This is the Smash and Grab podcast. This season, we're going on a journey to find out more about mental well-being as well as talking all things football league, VAR and referees. Now, time for your hosts, Johnny Smith, Gareth Keeling and Sam Campbell. Hello and welcome to Smash and Grab with me, Johnny Smith. We've got Sam Campbell. Sam, how's it going? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. And uh, good to have you back, Gaz. How, how's, how have you been? Oh, not too bad, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, there's been uh, some calling out, some name dropping in the last podcast. On the, in the last podcast, is that right? Oh, it's yeah. been coming for you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it has. To be fair, I'm not. I gave it a listen. I gave it a listen. And um, where do I start? So, um, uh, Harry Whittingham, first and foremost, um, we'll start off with the uh, remote control car that you were talking about. Um, I don't know why you're bigging that up, up so much. I mean, it's a podcast about football, not remote control cars. So, if you're so interested in them, uh, Witto, don't worry about it. Uh, this weekend, you should get a delivery to your door. It'll be a nice car for you to play with, spend time with uh, this weekend so enjoy enjoy that one mate um, also moving forward um, just some of the things that you said that I personally don't agree with I'm not sure what you lads think um, he was talking about the Germany squad how it's ageing um, I don't know if you I mean the average age of this Euro squad is 26 they should all be hit, hitting the prime not, I mean Neuer's 35 so he brought that up so, so without Neuer it's probably about 24 25 so we'll disregard that one straight away and finally, you deflected it very well because you, you tried to point it on me, but you thought Hungary had gone through through to the uh, knockout stages. What's that about? What's that about? Come on, <laughs> you're better than that, mate. You're better than that. So, we yeah, are great. Do you know what, lads? I'm great. I'm great. How, how are you, boys? <laughs> yeah, all good, mate. All good. I think we, we, should, we should just get you both on. And let's yeah, just I agree. It Do you know what, yeah. like, it's, we're supposed to be a team here, boys. <laughs> no, we, we aren't a team. We're off at the start of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but yeah, let, let's move on. Look, we've got a guest that's that's lined up. Uh, we've got Ben Osborne waiting in the wings to to chat to. So, um, shall we just get straight into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get him in. Sounds. Let's go. So here we are. Uh, we've got another guest lined up for us uh, today. We've got Ben Osborne. Ben, how you doing, mate? I'm all good, thank you, lads. How are we? Yeah, not too bad at all, mate. Not too bad at all. Always a pleasure to get another guest on. You're our second guest. Uh, previously, we had Luke Hannon from Cambridge Just on Colchester. So we're in the midst of trying to grow the pod uh, the podcast. How was he? Yeah, decent, decent. Just, uh, out, of just got out of ten. I mean, it was I'm our bait him out on the episode. It was our first one, so I'm gonna, I'm, I've got to give him. We've, we've got to give him high numbers, haven't we? I mean, we don't really know what we're up against. Yeah, let's let's give him a solid. I don't know, eight, eight. Let's give him an eight. Yeah, yeah, we'll give him an eight. First guess, yeah, yeah, you're up against a good one here, Ben. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's dive straight into it, mate. Um, he's managed to spend the last two years playing in the Premier League, breaking into the squad. Can you talk us through that at all? Yeah, it's been a it's been a mad couple of years, really. Obviously, the uh, my goal was to get into the Premier League, and when the champs came along, um, 
and Sheffield United came in for me, it was it was a bit of a a no brainer. I mean, maybe if if Forrest would have opened negotiations about maybe extending um, my stay there, I, I might have had something to think about. But I think it was a, a good deal for everyone involved, really. So I was delighted to get down there, and then walked into a very close knit squad that had gone on this unbelievable run journey over like three years and um, as soon as I got there to be fair it was just just another level it was a step up straight away in training um, and then when the game started coming we were obviously flying that first season and um, from a personal point of view it was still unbelievable but it was tough to try and try and break in there because the lads especially the, the few in my position uh, were just playing so consistent week in week out and there was never an opportunity where I could knock on the gaffer's door and ask him why I want playing. But I had to be patient and then and got my kind of getting a few minutes off the bench here and there um, and then got a little run in the team just before the end of the season. But that was at the time when it we ended lockdown. So the majority of my games in the Premier League have been with zero fans in. So that's... So it's not what you it's not what you dream of, to be honest. No, but it's um you still have to kind of remind yourself that it is still the Premier League, even though no one's there. And uh, you just got about five stewards in the crowd, but but yeah, no, I mean last season obviously it was a a bit of a disaster points wise and um we you know, we wanted it to be a lot better. There's a lot of factors that that you know, made it the season that it was. But um, I, I was glad to, to finally, you know, have a good run in the Premier League and test myself against some of the best players and probably prove to myself that I can. I feel like I can hold my own in that league. And it is just a massive, it is a big step up um, from anything that I'd experienced before. But one that I'm, I want to get back to, I want to have another crack at it, definitely. Yeah, I think... Um... No one expected Sheffield United to finish the season how, how they finished, especially, like you said, the previous season. Absolutely flew. Like, people were talking about him finishing like top four at some point. Like, that's the run, that, run they were on. When you think about it, there's a couple of seasons of that. It was incredible. Like, people were talking about Chris Wilder to be the next England manager and all sorts of stuff. Like, all sorts of things were flying out. That's, that's like the standards they were playing at. Like, it, was, it was insane. Yeah. I think I think just before lockdown, I think we were sixth and in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, like we were just on an absolute roll. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it kind of halted momentum, and we, and we didn't really. We we had a wobble after that, but then we sort of recovered. We beat Spurs, Chelsea, and Wolves, um, and drew with Burnley in like four games. So then we we got back up there, and then we just fizzled out the last few games, and we found it really difficult to to play against teams sort of that, that sat off and made the pitch massive and we couldn't really get after them like we were doing all season and getting the crowd on their back, using that to our advantage. And then it just became a, a bit of a different game. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think like not having fans there affected your like team's game much at all? Yeah, 100%. It's obviously not the main reason, but um, Chef, like Bramwell Lane's, the atmosphere was absolutely electric that first season in the Premier League when I was there and teams didn't like coming here the pitch is quite tight um, and then away from home as well if, if we if we go to you know a big club most of the clubs most of the fans would expect them to be 
one or two nil up against us at half time. And if we go in nil nil, then the fans start getting on their back and then they start making mistakes and it just eats into our hands, really. And obviously, we didn't have that this year. Well, the year just gone, but yeah, we've only got ourselves to blame. Um, some some of our performance levels weren't good enough, and yeah, a few other factors that. And I think this season, to be fair, this even just gone. The, the the standard of the Premier League did get better um, as a whole. Obviously, the year before you had City and Liverpool right at the top, and there was a massive drop down to like third place. Um, this year, obviously, you had City win it quite comfortably, but then you've got you know, Man, uh, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, you know, Spurs still like Mourinho and Arsenal were even struggling and stuff like that. So there's just so many decent clubs. And then you had like Leeds come up who were, were excellent and it just, yeah, it was a real tough division. Leicester as well, obviously. What was, was the mood like? of the change room like, Ben? <clears throat> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> what was the mood of the change about when, when Wilder got, uh, when Wilder left? Because... He comes across as being a really respected manager, especially by the fans. But how did the players feel about that? Yeah, it was a sad day, mate, to be honest. Um, we we sort of thought it might come. You know, we've been bottom of the league for for God knows how long. But you, the timing was still a bit, a bit weird. Like, we didn't really see it coming then. Um, and yeah, it was a sad day. It, it, you know, it's all... Well, since I've been there, it's all I've known. He's been the only manager, of course, but most, if not all the lads, I think only Basham and Sharp were there before uh, Chris arrived. Um, so it's all everyone and only built the club. He's employed every single, well, more or less every single person that was there. Um, so, and he's just, a, he's a massive Sheffield United fan. He lives in the city, lives and breathes it. So it was a it was a sad day because you know how much it, it meant to him as well and you know we, we he said our good he said his goodbyes and spoke quite honestly about a few things and I think genuinely in the end he he just he just felt it was the right thing to do and um, he felt like probably it it taken us as far as he could have done under the circumstances. Sound sound like you're about to cry then. <laughs> <laughs> Football, mate, isn't it? It's football. Uh, it is, uh, mate. It's a brutal. It's a brutal business. At the end of the day, it's something that that com- comes with, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, most of my managers at Forest were never there really over the longer than a year. So it was, you kind of just get you'd see it on Sky Sports News, or you, well, yeah, you'd see it on Sky Sports News. You wouldn't even get a text or that the the gaff has gone, uh, and then you just go in the next day, and there might be a new gaffer there, or there'll be an interim gaffer for a bit, and it's just like, oh, what's going to happen now? But here, because it was kind of like, shit, what what do we do now then? Like, are we still going to play the way that, you know, that he's built a style around and all this? But, yeah, it's just a big uh, big change, mate. But uh, like I said, it was probably, you know, best for, for all parties at the time. Yeah. Ben, from what I saw of you last year, I know that obviously the season before you were riding on absolute wave and the performances were really up there. I watched quite a lot of Sheffield United games last season and I know that you said that the the, uh, the performances weren't quite at the level that you would have hoped for the season, but I found that a lot of your games were quite fine margins. And I know that sounds ridiculous because of like the points that you finished on, but a lot of the games were only by the odd goal and the season before you were winning by the odd goal. So what do you think sort of changed with 
with how it was set up it was was it just was it really just down to confidence and and like you've touched upon the the lack of fans to try and get you going again or yeah i mean we've as players have been trying to dissect what what the fall went on last year for we were talking about it today actually and we actually said performances up until about november were actually decent yeah um not much in it like you say losing one nils two ones dominating games and just not scoring so scoring was a problem um, but we were actually creating all right chances and we were just, you know, we were losing by one goal. And it got to November and I think we had like one point on the board, maybe two. Mm. So by that time, you're looking at the table and then your confidence is just getting knocked and knocked. And then you start being a little bit more cautious, trying not to concede because you know if you concede, you're not going to score. Well, you feel like you're not going to score two. Um, so then it just, I think it just eats away at you. And by the time... December, well, I think it was uh, the new year, January. I think we had like two points and we had Bristol Rovers away in the cup and we hadn't won for, well, the whole season. Um, so we thought like we've got to beat these. Yeah. It will just be an absolute laughing stock if we, if we don't. This could be like, we just need to get this win yeah. to get some confidence and we end up beating them and we end up going on a little run. And to be fair, I think we finished on 22 points. So second half of the season, we ended up getting 20 points, which again, we weren't playing great, but we were sort of nicking the odd, odd result here and there that we weren't able to do the first half of the season. If we'd have done that consistently throughout, we might have had a bit of more of a chance of staying up. I mean, you've got some big characters in that dressing room. You've got the likes of Phil Jagielka, um, Billy Sharp, like experienced pros. I know that Sheffield United had a and Chris Wilder had a particular like playing style with five at the back, bobbing on, two overlapping centre-halves. Was it ever sort of brought to, I know it's a difficult conversation to have, or even did Wilder ever say about changing the formation, trying something different? Because if you looked at Wolves last year, I think they'd previously played the couple of seasons before with five at the back and they were struggling last year. I don't know if teams had sussed them out or just yeah. had a certain game plan against them. Was there ever that discussion to sort of change it? Well, you know, you know what? It definitely felt like at times that um, teams were ready for us. I can remember the season before, I think we were beating Chelsea like 2-0 at home or 1-0. And then they changed at half-time to 3-5-2. And we used to love it when a team had changed to 3-5-2 because we thought, well, we, we can play this shape better than it. You know, most of the lads have been playing it for four years and we ended up beating them three now. And um but then this season, because we like you say with the overlapping centre halves and that, and we get out all our overloads down the side, so you'll have the wing back there, the midfielder and the centre half. And it just seemed that every most teams that we played against, especially ones with managers that you know do a lot of analysis and are very tactical, they'd have loads of men out there and they'd make it really difficult for us. So I think I've got I, I spoke to uh, Chris about it once he was very open and you know he's been he was he was looking into it but the bottom line was our team all our players that we've got are, are tailor-made to play 3-5-2 yeah, we've got one proper centre-back in John Egan um, you know Bashy is tailor-made for right-sided centre-half um, he, he could probably play in a two but you know he could he, he's half right-back half Centre half, you know what I mean. Jack O'Connell was the same. Obviously, he got injured as well. But even Jack Robinson, he's sort of like half um, left back, half left side centre half, and and even Kean Bryan as well. Who we had so, and we didn't have any, we didn't have any wingers really. He didn't sign any wingers because 
why would he we play three five two? And we did tweak it a couple of times. And we tweaked it towards the end of the season to be fair under Heckenbottom, turned it into a 3-4-3, which gave us a little bit of joy. Well, I think it was just down to personnel, mate, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was something that was discussed, definitely. What, what's the attitude like now then? Going into going into pre-season, you said that you know you were talking about last season, how it went. Is it kind of just right, we just got to reset, rebuild and, and go, for, go for promotion this year? Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think as soon as as Chris Wilder left, it that was sort of you know what we had to get our heads around. You know, next season we need to start thinking about that, and and we did. And then to, today, I mean, the, it was a gaffer's um, first day today, the new gaffer's first day. So that all of a sudden gives you a little kick, and it does feel like a new chapter. It always does because when a new manager comes in, everything changes at the club. The time you report, your days off what you do in training, how you play, um, just everything, more, more or less. Um, few things stay the same. but So it just does feel like a whole new start. And um, yeah, I think we're just, we're just excited to see, see what this manager is going to bring us. He's obviously got a very good reputation. Um, so yeah, it just we've got a, you know what it's like when teams get relegated sometimes to can stuff from hangovers, but I think we'll, we'll probably try our best to keep hold of uh, the majority of the squad, and then just just try and kick on and be right up there this season. Yeah, I think um, if anything, you've got one of the better managers now in the championship. I mean, in terms of CV, he's what managed two teams in the championship. He's managed to get both of them out of the championship into the prem. So yeah, I mean, can't really ask for much more better than that. Um, how how are the players feeling? Are they more optimistic now? Over having Yukanovic because obviously there was always talk. Like, I always saw on Twitter like a few people wanted Hekim Bond to stay, but you know, obviously you ended up ended up with Yukanovic. Uh, How does that feel? Yeah, you know what? It was um, it was quite a relief to be fair. Obviously, we broke up for the summer and we weren't really we had no manager. Um, Hecky had said that he he's not he won't be in charge. He's, he told all the lads so to get something sorted. We got it pr- sorted pretty quickly straight after the season. And for saying there was like the Palace job going, the Wolves job going, um, West Brom, there was loads of vacancies, Bournemouth, uh, talk of uh, Scott Parker leaving Fulham, which he eventually did. So loads of jobs going. And for us to go out and get Jukanovic so early on, it, it, I think it gave everyone like a, a massive, um, a massive buzz really and a bit of excitement that, Hang on, yeah, that's a that's a real good appointment over someone that's obviously well sought after. So, um, yeah, good sign of intent. I'm just excited to work with him, to be fair. I know players that have played under him before and they speak so highly of him. So, looking forward to it. That's decent. Better than Wayne Rooney in charge. I'll, uh, I'll say that. Um, he might not. Is he going to be, is he going to stay there or? Depends what happens. Depends what happens. If you go back, if you go down to League One, he won't stay. But I mean, would you want to stay? You, you've got 13 players. Jordan Ives just left today. Has he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what is he? Does he sign somewhere else? Or no, I think they've just terminated his contract. I I haven't read the uh, the link. I was I, I, I couldn't I couldn't be, be be honest with it. It's just another player that, that we haven't got in the squad. So it's going to want that job, doesn't it? You are. Who's going to want that that job? Oh, it's awful, mate. Awful stay of the club. Um. 
I'm not talking about Derby staying away. I'm not having it. It's just. Go on, let's talk about Derby. I enjoy talking about Derby. <laughs> no, no, we can't. I listened. I listened to something the other day, trying to get my head around what was going on, and they were explaining. Um, all the sanctions that, that might come in. So it looks like Derby are going to start on like minus 12, doesn't it? But the, there is a scenario um, because they've done that thing with Wickham. Yeah. And, and, it, and apparently I think it's the 18th of August where it has to be all sorted by. Yeah. So there's a scenario where Derby could start the championship season, play two games, Wickham play two games in League One and then have to swap over. Like yeah. that, has, but that, obviously that can't happen, but that is actually a possibility. I think it's, it's, too late. it's too late now anyway, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair. We touched upon this last time, Ben. So I, I did a bit of research on it just to speak to Witto and, and talk to Gaz about it before. And um, I think what can happen is the EFL can postpone games under exceptional circumstances. Right. So if like Derby are under investigation at the moment, so I would, you could deem that as like exceptional circumstances and they could postpone both Wickham's games and Derby's games in parallel right, so then okay, once yeah. the investigation happens rather than waste everyone's time with two or three games or whatever they can just be like Rook, we'll swap leagues again but I think it's too late now it doesn't really seem it's to too be late how can, we, how can Wickham start planning and signing players when yeah. they don't even know what leagues they're going to be in and it, it, even like the same with Derby like the, the money difference between the two leagues is, is big enough like it's, it's crazy so yeah yeah, it is ridiculous. It, it, I think it should be sorted within a month after the season ends, and even that's pushing it. Like it should be sorted. Yeah, got, it has to be sorted. ASAP. Yeah, yeah, because it's just getting more and more ridiculous. The more, the longer it goes on. I mean, if you do go down though, guys, it's twenty fourth of August, mate. It's the fixture that you're looking for. Oh, cheers, mate. I'll put in my diary. Appreciate that. You can come up. Huh. You can come up, we'll have a good night up there. Oh, what Sunderland? Nah, nah, <laughs> that won't be a big game for, for us, mate. Are you a Macam, are you? Yeah, inherited my dad's, my dad's side. Um, didn't really have poor, much choice. Poor bloke. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but... Don't worry, mate, Johnny's a Bradford City fan, so... I was going to say, I think we're all just depressed on this. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just England fans, aren't we? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's it, fucking hell. Um, one thing I, I did want to want to ask you, Ben, uh, you briefly touched up on it earlier, um, about having to play like under new managers. Like When you were at Forest, you played under a lot of managers. I think um, over the course of the six years, including interim managers, this is, I think it touched up to about 12. And uh, you were at Sheffield United and you're on three. Granted, Heckingbottom was only there temporary, like, what sort of, like, what toll does it have on you? Like, because obviously you've, at the point, it comes to a point where you're always having to impress a manager to secure your position. Like, how much, you know, you're always having to put that extra bit of effort in every time a different, like, manager comes in. Yeah, I mean, I know I have to get a manager sack, mate. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Not at all, mate. No, uh... <laughs> yeah, mate, it's exactly that. It's, you know, a new manager comes in and, they might like you, they might not. Um, but I've, I've I've gone beyond worrying about that now. I've just got to be consistent in everything that I do and just be myself. And I don't worry about that. Hopefully it looks after itself. And I think most managers have played under, if not 
all of them have you know wanted still wanted me around no one said look you know you're free to leave or whatever so um I think over the years of that I mean definitely at the start you'd be like bloody hell the last manager loved me um you know this one might might not fancy me or whatever but thankfully I always managed to stay in and around the team and I think now I just get to the age where look I know what I am as a player now and I know what I can do and know what I can offer um I know I have to be consistent and if you're still not fancying me then that's fine I'll have to go somewhere else so that's just the, the way I look at it now so we'll see what happens this season yeah that's fair enough very for, sure for you Ben as managers go obviously you had Chris Wilder and he's got such a great reputation as and I think a lot of fans can relate to him just because he's so honest and and just says that how it is. And I, I, from my perspective, that's something that I just love from a manager. If you've played shit, just come yeah. out and say we've played shit. And if you've played well, come out and say you've played well. But obviously, Gaz has just touched upon, you've had a lot of managers at Forest. Who was the one which sort of stood out for you in, in the 13 or 12 or whatever you had that was sort of the one that you got on with the best maybe relationship or just suited your style of play? You know what, mate? There's every manager, no matter how good or bad you think they are, I mean, you you still have to be half decent to get to the level of being a full-time yeah. football manager in like the championship or whatever. So no matter how good or bad they do, everyone's got positives that you can take from and, and negatives. Um, and I'm looking to go into coaching potentially after and I'm like working away from my badges and I can honestly say through every single coach that I played under, I will take something. There'll be something that I, I liked about it. Um, but yeah, in terms of your question, I think I was really impressed by uh, Dougie Freeman when he came in, just his attention to detail in his training sessions. Um, yeah, out on the training pitch he, and, and the shape work and you go onto the pitch knowing exactly what to do. That was like a, a first for me and, and not many have come that close to his attention to detail since. Um, but just at the time, we didn't really have we didn't really have a, a great squad, and um, we were in a tra- transfer embargo at the time, so we couldn't really sign anyone. Mm. So it looked like he underachieved, but he was impressive. Um, I loved playing under Stuart Pearce when he was there. It was um, we had a good team there, and I think we, we started on fire. It just seemed like we didn't really have a, a, a plan B, um, especially when we had a few injuries. That was the only thing. Thing things started to change in that, but the atmosphere around the place then was really good. Um, but I really enjoyed playing under Mark Warburton as well when I was at Forest because it was total football, really. Tried to be, and again, I don't think we had the team to do it, um, especially looking back now. But yeah, total football and training was a joy. Just loads of possession, loads of passing drills, pattern to play. And um, he was a really interesting bloke as well. His background was from like business or something. Mm. He used to be a trader down in London and he used to like transfer all his skills that he learned from that into like football management and managing people. And he'd talk about pressurised situation when he's on about like million pound business deals and stuff rather than like, you know, just all about football and that. So it was quite, I quite enjoyed working working for him he treated you like it as an an employee um, so you'd, be, you'd start at like nine o'clock like most football teams like you start at like half ten or whatever yeah. you know just so you'd like you know in the traffic you know you start training whenever can't you but his was like no nine o'clock on the dot and then he'd stay till like five six eight. I think he'd be there earlier but he'd be there like five six and yeah I enjoyed I enjoyed playing with it under him but it just it didn't really work out in the end mm. 
there's there's one manager on the list that I, I have to ask you about because obviously being a Sunderland fan and his sort of relationship with Forrest as well, and I'm hoping you played under him, was Martin O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah, so, he came in for the last sort of um, six months when I was there. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I've heard lots of different things about him from other podcasts with players that played under him in the era, and they're so mixed, like mixed reviews completely. There's yeah. some people that love Martin O'Neill, and there's some others that say that in regards of as a people person, yes, in terms of training, he was like he was very hands off and let his assistants and coaches sort of do it. Um, I don't know. Well, if that- his assistant was Roy Keane when he came in. How was so, that? Jesus. Yeah. So, it, you know what? He, he, he is proper old school, like yeah. proper old school. And obviously, he's under the Clough regime. Mm. Um, and you can see a lot of, well, obviously, we don't know what Clough was like, but just from videos and hearing all the stories and that, you can see that he's, you know, taken a lot from yeah. there. But looking back, like it was it was a right laugh. It was a right laugh of the six months. <laughs> like, I'm talking like, Five sides, he'd, he'd put forfeits on it. Like if you lose, it just like point to a tree in the distance. He's like, right, losing team, get round there in ooh, twenty seconds, and like <laughs> it's probably impossible. Like there's no signs behind it, and then like you're just sprinting round the tree or whatever back in. Um, but yeah, Keane used to to do a, a quite a bit of the the football sessions. It was just loads of games, mate. Loads of high intensity straight away. He wanted like tackles going in and everything, like you can imagine. Um, and if and if you got the intensity, they they were sound. If you if you won a game under Martin O'Neill, it was brilliant. Yeah. Like he'd it, be sound as out the whole week. You'd be laughing and joking. Your days off. If you lost, mate, it was straight. It off was game. yeah, not not a, not 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 the nicest person to be around. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good. And then the pre-season, like reporting back, um, it was like first week. Straight on the minibuses to Woolerton Park, we're just running, we're just running, lads, and like, like forest fans are walking around, like walking the dogs and that, and you've got like us all jogging, jogging through with like Roy Keane and that. <laughs> uh, I know, I don't think he came to the preseason to be fair, but it was if you bought into it, it was um, it was good. Like there's a group of us that just enjoyed it, and we went like rafting and stuff. So I'll be touching a football. <laughs> Hardly touching a football like the first week, which is a bit unheard of now. Mm. But um, yeah, and then he ended up getting getting sacked after the first week of pre-season. <laughs> but like I say, a few of us bought into it, and a, a few people just you know weren't having it as, as I bet you can imagine. Yeah, has Roy Keane still got a bit in training or not? He'd never he'd never really join in. Like he'd sometimes do a little bit of passing and that before. Yeah, um, and he's just obsessed with wrapping the ball into people. You know, like if you could, he could fire it in. Like you could fire a ball into someone's like midriff, and you probably like normally you'd be like, "That's a bad pass." But he, as long as it gets there, he thinks it's a good pass. <laughs> so he just thinks that you should be able to deal with it. So he'd like just be wrapping it into you before training. Like, it might bounce off your knee or something. And you're looking at him like, "Any chance?" He's like, "Get hold of it." <laughs> um, but yeah, we used to do like this two-touch game, and uh, <laughs> it where like is well. This this two v two, and you have to take a touch and clip it into the other box. Take a touch, clip it into the other box. You got two touches per team, um, and if it goes out, you get a point or whatever. We used to play it before training. You used to just stand on the sideline watching, like, "Any, you're going to wrap it in? Like, put a bit of paint on it." And then me, 
me and Ben Watson were like unbeaten at the time at it, and um, he, he teamed up with one of the other lads, Stephen Anderson, and, and he's like. <laughs> Kino's like his hero. He's like an Irish lad. Kino's like his hero. So he's playing like doubles with him in this. And he said he's absolutely shitting it. Like, he don't want to make a mistake. Like, <laughs> and me and Watto ended up beating him. And he's, you can tell, like, he wanted a rematch and that. And he's <laughs> still, like, dead competitive. But you know what? He was actually, like, proper sand. And he was, like, funny guy. And he's quite laid back, to be fair. He lost his, lost his temper a couple of times and a couple of incidents. But um, I'd actually, I, I'd, I'd like to see him go back into management. To be fair, I think I think deep down he wanted to he wants to be a manager. Well, it felt like that when he was the assistant, um, because I don't think he wants to be you know coaching and doing all the sessions. That I think he wants to be more observant. So I'd like to see him get go back into it one day. To be fair, yeah, I'd like for that. He was he did such a great job at us and moved to Ipswich. I think after and it didn't turn out the way that he wanted, but yeah. I think we all need characters in, in the game like that. And you can see from his punditry, he knows what he's talking about. Um, and you can, just from what you've touched upon there, Ben, like you can still see that he's got that aggression in whatever he does. And he's a, he's a born winner. Like with Man United, he won everything. With Forrest, obviously, he was so successful. So, yeah, it would be nice to see Roy King back in, back in management at any level. Yeah. Found it for now. You said Stuart Pearce struggled to have a plan B because all I remember is Stuart Pearce when he was Man City manager and he threw David James up top. <laughs> that, that's his plan B. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, that, that gets brought up, doesn't it? And anyone mentioned Stuart Pearce as a manager. Fucking um, <laughs> That's pure yeah. my bassy, isn't it? Have you seen the clips from the, like David James cameo up front? Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe they asked the kit man to get one. They um, they said, "Can you get um, an outfield shirt with James one printed on the back?" And they were like, "No, you're joking, right?" He's like, "No, no, seriously, just in case." Who was it? John Mackham sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he left that. Think... He just went home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? You'd be fuming. Fucking hell. No, that is. It's like well, you know when Mike Bassett when they go to sign a striker, but they end up signing the keeper and they stick him on the front and he just catches it. It's like that. <laughs> Honestly, it's awful. Jesus. All goalkeepers, though, think they've got a bit. Like, I'm sure, like, they're, they're different. They've got a different mentality, goalkeepers. You'll know right. better than anyone, Ben. Like. Well, to be fair, like, a couple of goals, weren't they, late on? And Alisson scored that yeah. goal, oh, didn't man. he? And, um, wow. See the uh, conference playoff final as well? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Like, keeper from Torquay, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Torquay's keeper, yeah. But, yeah, no. Uh, it's mad how that keeps getting brought up. <laughs> yeah, well, we've talked we've talked about managers. Uh, what about players then? There must be some characters that, that stand out with, with who you've played for in either at Forest or, or Sheffield United. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few, mate. In every dressing room, there's like an array of characters. Um I mean, you're quite a character yourself. It... You're quite a character yourself, though, aren't you, Ben? To be honest. No, I, I think I've toned down now, mate. Uh, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> from yeah, from when you knew me, mate, probably toned down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you've you, you've got you've got the Joe, you've got the the lunatics. I'm just trying to think. I mean, we had um, Stojkovic. Serbian goalkeeper at Forest, he was just generally a scary guy. Um, 
<laughs> like you just you, you know you'd you'd I can remember asking him once if he's ever killed someone and uh, he's just like staring back at me like would, would hardly say anything to anyone um, yeah he'd just play cards with us at the back of the bus and um, you'd actually be scared to like take any money off him <laughs> like he'd take it so seriously like if you take more than like 30 seconds on your hand he'd be like oi Osborne Osborne and I'd be like yeah <laughs> so he, he was a bit of a character so we had Bentner for a bit to be fair we had Bentner for six months at Forest what was he like? <laughs> um, he was a sound bloke, to be fair, but it, it came across like, if I bumped into him now, he would not have a clue who I am. <laughs> I think we were, he must have been there for a season, actually, and I think it was like eight months in, and we're on the bus back, and he's like, um, oh, you know our um, blonde centre-half? Uh, oh, that geezer there. And I'm like, you've been playing with him for eight months. How do you not know his name? <laughs> like, And then... Um, yeah, I went on a night out of him, and he's it, it's like Nottingham's quite a, a un, university city, mm. and uh, it was just it was like having David Beckham out with you, mate. Like everyone knows who he is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it was just so fair, and people just coming up to him like absolutely nonstop. Like couldn't believe that Benter's in like Bar Bar in Nottingham, <laughs> and um, but he just used to like he was just so on it. He just used to turn up after like sessions. He'd he'd always make it to. To training, but like he'd come in on a Monday, but like just, just coaches will be around as well. He's not hiding it, he'd be like, Oh, I'm hanging out my ass today. Um, all the boys over from Copenhagen, and we were just in the pub in London by 12 and didn't leave there till like 11 last night. Just got a, got a lift up this morning, and you're like, All oh, right, and like you're just thinking, Now you're gonna now you're gonna train and that, and we've got a game in about 48 hours. But like after a game, you just used to fly off to like Vienna or wherever in Europe and like go to like concerts or whatever just lived a mad lifestyle mate to be fair um but it was it was sam but i don't, just don't think he he took it too seriously <laughs> don't think he took football too seriously like we'd be in the gym and he'd just be doing it in his flip-flops and we're all like it's like all jumps and stuff and he's just there with like flip-flops on facetime to his mate <sighs> fucking hell but yeah he's a character i think he's just retired actually um but like he showed he showed glimpses of being really really good but just nowhere nowhere near enough now he ended up going to Juventus didn't he oh yeah that was be- that was obviously before he uh, that was before, was it before Juventus? he was it Juventus then Arsenal yeah it was at Arsenal I think he went on loan to Juve yeah went on loan to Arsenal well guys did he <laughs> yeah we had him for a season do you know what one of the I don't know if you like would have seen this in trading and that Ben one of the best players taking it down on his chest I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he's massive, mate. He was massive and had, like, great technique for a big lad. So, mm. obviously, you would do playing for Arsenal and that. And, yeah. But it just, yeah, I just don't think he was that interested in the end. And, like, I don't know, maybe he just got sick of it, all the stick and that. I don't know. He did get a lot of stick on social media and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's just a, a lunatic, especially when he was younger. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of social media, how, um, do you go on social media much now? Because obviously you're quite active on like Instagram, Twitter and stuff. Do you read much into it after like games and stuff? Uh, not really, mate. No, nah, no. Nah. They did do when I was younger. Like you were all over it when you're younger. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it starts off being amazing. Like when you break through and, you know, you're a youngster and then you start getting a bit older and, 
a bit more responsible to the team and you start getting all this, you start getting hammered after games and stuff and it's just, it's not worth it, mate. So don't really, don't really read into it all now, to be fair. And I, I don't really, I, yeah, I used to post after like every game and then like I'll, I'll go after we'd lost and that, I thought, you know, I'm not posting. I can't be asked to just open up the, the channel for the shitload of abuse. So then I just stopped. And then so now I got to the point where I've almost stopped tweeting about football completely, um, especially about like the team that I'm with at the time, good or bad. Sometimes, you know, you want to tweet after like, a good result or whatever, but I just don't bother now, mate, because you, you can literally predict what the, the replies are going to be. Yeah, it's brutal. Isn't it? like, it's, it's, it's brutal, mate. But it's probably majority of like eleven-year-old kids, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you don't need to take a shot with, with like with like Messi as their display picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did that used to affect you, Ben, when you were younger and you were looking at all those messages, maybe slating you after a bad game? How, how would that would that get to you? Yeah, I think it was like yes, when I was like early twenties and that, like would have been a period of time where it get to me definitely, but. Um, you just yeah, you just learn from it. You just you you grow out of it, and you you stop taking as much notice. Um, but yeah, at the time, there's definitely a, a learning curve, and you know, I'd I'd advise like youngsters, young footballers, to uh, just just be careful on there. Really, if you can handle it, then fine. But yeah, I think you learn you you learn to handle it. Um, you have to like now. I'm not really bothered at all, but there's definitely a period growing up where yeah, it does. Um, does affect you, does affect your confidence in that. Yeah. What about in real life, in the stadium, there's, and there's fans giving you pellets? How does how does that get to you? There's some some lads react quite well to that, and others others kind of go into the I shop. love it. I, I love it. I do now. Um, it's not great from your own fans. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a problem. But you know what? Majority of the times, in your, in your home fans aren't going to be giving you stick like in the ground. Luckily, I don't think I've ever experienced that. Not where I can hear it. I've had. I've heard stuff like my dad had come to a game or whatever and, you know, there'd be fans around him, like, slagging me off and that kills him. Like, he, he, I don't think he comes that much now. Not as much as he used to, but they used to, like, he used to hate that. But, um, no, don't really, you know, don't really experience it much from, from home fans, but away fans and that, I love it. And, you know, you just got to try and, you just got to try and, like, thrive off it in the game. Um and I think even in person, just walking around towns or when you bump into fans, 99.9% are absolutely sound. Even if they are a bit critical, you know, when they come up to you and speak, um, they're still, you know, they see you as a, a human being rather than just like a footballer on Twitter and like they, they'll have a proper conversation with you and it's normally sound. There's only been a couple of instances where I've come across some absolute dickheads that just don't know the boundaries, but what have you said? Affected, isn't it? <laughs> Pardon? What have they said to you? I think it's normally like just drunk lads, isn't it? I think to be fair, me and me and Dodzy went out once. Um, we'd lost two 0 to Derby, and I lived in Tan in Knots, so probably shouldn't have gone out. Like, but we were just like, Come on, let's go for a couple of pints, just to like a low key pub, and just like sit in the corner. And um, yeah, just a couple of lads came over, just started going absolutely mental, just like mouthing in the face like pointing in my face and stuff and um, just had to go home to be fair and then there's been another time where I've been out with like missus and that and like some lads will just like pull up a chair and start chatting football and then start slagging off all my teammates and, and you're just like mate alright can you just like fuck off <laughs> 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 but, 
other than that, mate, honestly, there's I, I can count on one hand the amount of times it's happened. That's good then, because all you hear now is just the abuse that people get. It's like I was doing the last flight that we had on Luke Hannon. He, he, he was saying, I think it's probably works probably the same for you as well. Like a majority are sound, but that 0.5% or whatever is what just makes it so shit and just takes over the whole like good of everyone else. Yeah, I think social media, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's killer. Because they're the ones, yeah, they're the ones that stand out. Um, and that's why they do it, for a reaction, really. Like, a lot of times you, you're close to, like, replying, <laughs> just, like, slating them, but you're just like, oh, it's not worth it. And plus we get fined, to be fair. I think the FA need to ease off on that. I think if someone abuses us, we should be able to give them a little bit back, but... What, you're not allowed to tweet back at at all? Well, you have to be very clever if you do. Um, sometimes, like, I started, I, if someone, like, hammers me now, I just normally reply, like, Sam, mate. And um, then, they're like, the next one, they'll be like, oh, mate, didn't um, didn't mean it or whatever. It's mad. <laughs> it's <just> weirdos. <laughs> Absolute weirdos. Fucking hell, Jesus. Right then, let's move on to elite football development. Coaching aspirations. You said briefly earlier that you're doing your coaching badges. Is that after you retire, is that what you want to do, coaching? Uh, Potentially, mate, yeah. I mean, I think I have got a bit of a passion for it. Like, started my UA2B a couple of years ago and then we set up this elite football development as well, which is like, sort of like a, a soccer school. We didn't really know. We just winged it, to be fair, at the start, and it's kind of grown into something that, that's quite good. And uh, I do I do really enjoy it, coaching, and I enjoy watching other coaches and seeing how they do things. And um, got a few mates that are now going into it as well. So I think in the future, I'm just going to do my badges, and I think that'll be the goal. I'm not sure if I'd, I'd... At the moment, I don't know if I'd, I'd be more of a manager or a coach, but um, I'd... I, in an ideal world, you know, I have a, a, a I play football to a till a decent age, and then start looking towards that that line line of work. But I'd be more than open to to work my way up over years, rather than just jumping into something. I want to um, want to become a you know the best kind of coach I am before I step out into a, a big role. But yeah, this elite football development is just good for my progress at the moment and hopefully build that over the next few years as well and see, see what that, that's like when I retire. I think it's huge starting at like, such a young age. Like, not many play, players that go into it, not many of them start until like the mid-30s, until like the last two yeah. seasons before they retire. Starting at such a young age, that's going to be, that, that would be huge for your own like, development, definitely. Yeah, I, did, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be that guy at 34, 35, just thinking, oh, what am I going to do now? Fuck it, I'll just do my coaching badges and you just try and get them done as quick as possible. Whereas I want to do it alongside my football now. Not in, It's not intensely, it's just, well, I coach every Monday night now at Elite Football Development, but then, hopefully doing my badges alongside and slowly, you know, going to watch the academy and stuff. And hopefully by the time I'm, you know, 30, 35, I've had 10 years experience of coaching rather than just coming out, crash course in a, a couple of courses. And then all of a sudden you, you're thrown into a job. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been advised by other people that are now coaching the stuff. Like the one thing they'd say is I wish I'd started earlier. That's it. Cause there's so much to learn. I think it's a class idea. I, I think that clubs could get on board with, with this sort of thing. Because obviously clubs have got academies and development squads, but this sort of thing could be 
you know, they could be feeders to, to yeah. certain clubs because you're picking up lads that might not get noticed about playing Sunday League with the mates and, you know, really they're too good for it, but they're not getting a chance at an academy level. And this is the sort of thing, it sounds like to me, you know, it's it's where you go to to just get a chance. Is that is that the sort of thing that, that this is? Yeah, I think, we, yeah, we wanted to offer like academy level coaching to, to grassroots footballers, really. I think that was the thing. A lot of people struggle in academies, um, good footballers, but they struggle because you're under massive pressure from a really young age. So we wanted to give them that just without the, the pressurised environment, really. Um, and we've had people that have been released and then they come in here and then get their confidence back. And um, yeah, it's it, it's been good. I think I think we, we have got a couple of pathways lined up where if we do, if anyone is excelling with us, then we we'll be able to get them trials at places if they want to do that. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think it's, uh, I think to be fair, everyone I speak to within clubs, they are very supportive. It's just about getting, getting the backing from the, the people at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's always going to help having your name on it. Of course, uh, that is obviously like a huge thing. One thing that, because you do, what do you do? Under 12s and under 14s. Uh, yeah, well, we do under ten to under under nine to under fourteen now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What well, um, I had a parents approach it because you always see like a lot of um, when I was growing up, like you always I was always saw a mix. Like you see some parents that are fully on players as backs, then you see some parents that are completely stand off it. What are parents like at your coaching? Because I always get I always see mixed like re- reviews on like how parents. Yeah. Act what impact that can have on, on like a player as well, especially at such like a young age. Yeah, they differ massively, mate. Um, some you can tell are a bit pushy. Um, some you can tell the kid's not interested at all. And and bearing in mind, they have to pay for these sessions as well because we haven't got the funding yet. Um, the kid's not interested one bit. and But like they keep coming up to, you know, the sessions and all the latest kit and all brand new boots and stuff. And, and at the end of the day, it is, it's their parents pushing them. Um, and that we don't want that, really. And I think we've had to have a word with a couple and, and tell them, look, it's just, it's just not, for, not for them, um, which is really hard to do, by the way. No, and, uh, that's brutal. Right? Yeah, I don't do that job, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you, get some, you get some pushy ones. But no, to be fair, in the main, um, most are really good. And when we do play games... That is the hardest thing, juggling the minutes, um, making sure everyone gets a, a fair amount. And that's just something that we do and we, and we try and do. And we do give everyone a, a fair amount of time to the games as well, to be fair, because they all deserve it because they all turn up and, and give it their all. So um, we don't really know what... I think my partner, Jack, um, who runs it, he uh, he deals more on that side of stuff, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I know it can be hard work at times. In terms really? of numbers and stuff that you have, Ben, for the attendance, how how many are you talking at the moment? Like, is it enough to? Because I know that um, when I was younger, there was like player development centres in Norwich and stuff, and we used to play against other like academy that like development centres, so like Luton, um, Colchester, like areas around that. Have you got enough people to sort of build a team and start? maybe putting these requests in because obviously you'll have a lot of contacts now within the football industry that you can start looking to set games up and, and, and things like that. Or is that not, not something that you're looking to go down at the moment? 
yeah definitely mate we get we, we get about on a, on a on a good night we get about 20 lads um what we do so that'll be like under nines and tens um but yeah we can easily easily field teams and we've started to do games played ilkeston uh not long ago um we've talked about going into play forest but i think we don't want to turn up and get beat like 12 now yeah, yeah. um so i I think what happens there, you play the age group below. Which at the moment, what I've been doing, I've been going into Sheffield United's academy, watching the age groups that I coach with the elite. See, see how they do. See yeah. that kind of standard. See what kind of standard we're up against there. And like I've even taken some of their drills and put it into our session. See how they cope with that. So I think once once we have a good kind of gauge of where we're at, then um, then we pick the opposition. But no, we've been really impressed with them and. The development over like a year or two has been pretty mental. To be fair, it's quite it's quite rewarding. Yeah, that's really cool. That like it. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you get you get a success story that you know starts with us and then goes to an academy and ends up making it as a professional footballer. And then that's that that is the end goal, really. Yeah, um, to, have, to have a couple of them would be would be amazing. And there's a couple that you know we're close to maybe putting forward to to have trials definitely. That's class because you've uh, you've expanded. You started to ex- looking to expand, aren't you, from Nottingham to Derby? Yeah. Are you going to look and do try and go locally in Sheffield or? Um, not at the moment. We're just going to we're concentrating in Derby, try and get Derby going, and then we're going to try and do one in the centre of Nottingham as well, um, and then go from there. Really, yeah. Probably start heading towards up Sheffield and that. See, just see how it goes. We're, we're like I say, we're new in this business, so completely winging it, mate. To be fair, it's, it's just trial and error. Yeah. Um, but we're slowly getting there. Like it took us like eighteen months to work out. You know, we should, maybe we should like print a register off, like so we know who comes to the session. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's a good line. Should have done that at the start, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, so it's just pure trial and error, mate. But we're we're getting there now, and uh, it, it's a laugh, but it, it's hard work. Some of them lads might be in for a contract with you this year, Gas. You only got twelve, right? Yeah, mate. We'll we'll take anyone, Ben. Shove any of the under twelves towards us, mate. We'll need them. They're going to be better yeah. academy players coming through at the moment. Tell you now. Why? What's that for? For the Rams. <laughs> oh, I thought you were a pub team or something. No, mate. No, my eleven aside days are very slim at the moment, mate. Your futsal team could do with some of those lads as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, futsal team's good, mate. Futsal team's good. They're good, mate. But yeah, um, do you play futsal at all, Ben? Not now, mate. I've only had one one game at Willows once ages ago. That was it. Do you play yeah. at Willows? Yeah. No, no, no. Playing nationally now. Like playing like that actually nationally was decent. Nice. Um, yeah, it's all right. To be fair, do you, do, do rock you hard balls? Huh? Rock hard balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just had the uh, the final on uh, BT Sport on Sunday. It's class. Right. Is that lad from Wolves? Is that lad from Wolves? Isn't there that came from Futsal? Kilman. Yeah, 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 yeah. He came. He played. For, uh, can't remember who he played for now. But yeah, class, decent. So did he start Futsal? Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lad who plays for Italy. I can't remember what his name is now. He he came from playing Futsal. He's in the Italian squad for the Euros. Um, Still, yeah, play more in this country. To be fair, it's mad in Brazil and that, isn't it? Yeah, mad in Brazil, Spain, Portugal. Yeah, I'm, mate, I'm only 27, mate. I'm not peach yet. I've still got answers. <laughs> I'll be probably no time, mate. Still on Southgate's radar, I guess. I, I am, mate. I am, mate. So it'll be knocking on my door soon. 
Sad. But speaking of Southgate, let's talk. Uh, let's talk England. Is it coming? Yeah. Um, it's actually is it mad, isn't it? Oh, it's actually mad. Yeah. Like, it could come home. No, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, we're never going to get. Let's be honest. We're never going to get a better chance now, are we? We said this yeah. after the World Cup, though, didn't we? Look how everything's falling for us. We've got, you know, we 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 won the group, but every game was at Wembley, um, and then because we did that, you know, the, even the quarters at Wembley, beating Germany was massive, mm. and now look at all the other teams that have just been shocked and have, have left the tournament. Our route to the final looks very winnable. Um, so, yeah. It's quietly optimistic. I was worried before the Germany game. And to be honest, I think results, I don't know. I don't want to be negative, but we look solid. We look solid as though the Pickford was unbelievable. The back three were immense. Um, and obviously you've got Rice and Phillips doing the graveyard shift in front of them. But there was a, mo- like a moment in the game, I think it was from half time to about 70th minute. And I just thought, I just don't know what, like we just, we had no creativity. I didn't know it was so slow playing. And I was just kind of thinking like, I can't really see us conceding, but just can't see us, see us scoring. But obviously Sterling came up with the goods and started running at people and that. And obviously, well, we had Grealish come on and probably his game plan. So it was a, a great result in the end, but um, it was fine margins because they had a couple of chances as well. What is one on one? Fucking hell. Exactly, and Werner had that one first half as well. So arguably, they had just as good. Well, we probably had the easier chances, but they they created could have easily been to all. Or yeah, what, um, what's mad yeah. to think is at the beginning of the tournament, like you've just said there, Ben, we look solid. I think at the beginning of the tournament, we were all like, "Shit, our defense doesn't look good, does it?" And our pack looks shit up. And I yeah. think it's sort of been like, although the attack, like Sterling for me, has been brilliant this tournament, and. I wouldn't, at the beginning of the tournament, I wouldn't have had him in the team on current form. But for England, he hasn't let Southgate down, has he? Like, what is it, 15 goals or within the last yeah. 20 games for England, which is just crazy. And he's, he's clearly playing people that he trusts, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah you that's, that. you know, you can tell that. Like, that's been why Trippier comes in all the time. And um, obviously, Sterling just has kept his place throughout and it, that's paid off. Kane will keep his place no matter how. He's playing people that he trusts. Mm. And Maguire said something quite good in the interview after. He was saying that England has a, loads of really good defenders. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that the media and everyone's kind of like forgot about because of all the attacking flair that we've got. Like Our attacking flair is ridiculous. We've got loads of like wingers and number 10s and you know, attacking footballers, but you look at it, our, our back five is proper solid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we we were looking at the formation before and we were giving Southgate some stick. I think, I think he shut shut us all up, really, aren't he? Because I think that, that game plan he had, I, I agree with you, you know, from half-time till, till Grealish came on, it was just a stalemate. You're thinking they're yeah. playing out for nil-nil, it's got a penalties. Yeah. But, but then Grealish has come on and just completely changed the game. And I think a lot of credit has to go to, to Southgate for that, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's it. He's, he's playing players that he trusts that are going to do a job. And then when the game opens up a little bit and they get tired, he's, we've got the best bench going, haven't we, really? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of credit. The only worrying thing was the, the Scotland game, wasn't it? But, you know, again, we didn't lose. Um, 
and you know it'll be a be an interesting one on this Saturday, is it? Yes. Yeah, Again, it's just it's just one of them. They're uh, they play three five two as well. But they've got nothing to lose, and if they you know what it's like. If it's nil nil at half time, we're all we're all twitchy bull, aren't we? Yeah. We, we, we just don't want to get to that stage where we're struggling to break them down and we run out of ideas. And then, um, so hopefully we can we can get an early goal and the lads are riding on a high. But one thing I will say, like they look so together this squad, don't they? And yeah. like they look like they want it so much. Like on the game against Germany would just just proves it but like even like Beck and Rice celebrating in front of the fans at like 1-0 and yeah. you're like you see cramping up yeah cramping up, up like, but they just want it so much like have you seen when uh, Muller goes through have you seen Walker like sprinting back to oh, nearly catches him mate yeah, yeah. Sterling's reaction yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying like we want it. it feels like we want it more than any other country I mean that might be biased but genuinely genuinely does because it's been that long for us and now you know, it does feel like a really good opportunity. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, mate. Um, well, yeah, we'll just let's see what happens Saturday. I think you'll probably go the same team, maybe. Maybe to agree with him. I was going to ask that then. Do you think he'll go to the back five again? Or do you think, because obviously with Germany, they've got some great players in their, like, in their squad and Ukraine have had a decent tournament so far, but do you think oh, Gareth will show them that same level of respect as he did for Germany, or do you think he'll change it up? Because I think in tournaments gone by, we've sort of like stuck with the same formation, the same team, and this tournament he seems to be a sort of like changing it to the opposition, which I much prefer. I think it's a great way of doing it. Do you think he'll revert back to four three three, and we'll have? I don't know because they 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 play three five two, don't they? Mm. Um, so I don't know if we'll just match them up again, but. <laughs> I can see him. I can see him changing it. I think uh, someone else said as well that you know Southgate's he, he he's probably the first manager in ages that ain't listening to like the press or the fans cry. Do you know what I mean? Because like everyone's slating him when he names the team and the formation, mm. um, but he's just going for what he thinks will get the results. So I think I won't be surprised if he kept it kept the same formation. Um, maybe chucks Foden in there, or maybe starts with Grealish. Um, and then if it's not working, you, like you say, you've got the bench, haven't you? Yeah, that bench is so strong this year. So strong. When you've got yeah. players like Jaden Sancho, we touched upon it on the last pod, like Jaden Sancho hasn't really had many minutes this this tournament. And to have someone of that quality just sitting there, with, it's just crazy yeah. this year. It's crazy. Mad, isn't it? There's so many videos that I've loved watching this week, though. There's like the Harry Kane interview where it looks like he's about to start crying. The fans yeah. are singing "Sweet Caroline" and he's just listening to him. It's just like I oh, get get goosebumps from it. And then you get the the German fans when when Muller's in on goal. And then, yeah, that one's my favourite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, it, and then there's like a pocket of England fans within him just going mental, <laughs> having beers thrown at him. <laughs> that was that was crazy though. You just think it's nestling in, don't you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's Muller. Like, he's ice cold, isn't he? He don't yeah. he don't miss those. Can't believe it. Like that. The from when he's received the ball to when he's hit it, you 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 just know in your head it's going in, it's going in, it's yeah. going in. Like you've said it about eight times before he's even kicked the ball. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm a bet builder that. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell, quality. All right, sand. Cheers, for that Ben. Really appreciate it. No worries, lads. Um, Johnny, do you want to just uh, finish the pod off for us? 
Yes, mate, yeah. I'll finish it off now. Fine. All right. Well, thanks very much, Ben. It's been it's been a pleasure having you on. You got any uh, any final words for the podcast? No, thanks for having me on, lads. It's been good to chat football. Like get my opinion out there about England as well, because like I say, I don't want to tweet it because you just get <laughs> idiots reply. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I watched the game. I watched the the last game just me and my missus at home. So it's been nice to actually chat chat football with people. So pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Cheers. Thanks very much.